Well, hello. I'm certainly glad to know you're there. And uh, as I stand in this sanctuary, this beautiful church, Statesboro Primitive Baptist Church, I'm thankful for every one of you that um, has contributed so faithfully in your prayers and thoughts and your um, notes and emails and phone calls, uh, texts over the past um, month or two during this pandemic, and also for the community. And for those of you that I've been able to be encouraged by that, that are really not normally a part of our fellowship, though one thing we've learned through this pandemic is that we're all a part of the universal church. Uh, when God saves us by his grace, we have such a camaraderie. Uh, so I just want to say thank you. And as I, again, in this, in this pulpit, in this beautiful sanctuary, there's pictures all around. And I don't know, I don't know if a picture's worth a thousand words, but it, it's worth a lot. It really is. So, so thank you, and I just uh, ask God to bless us that as we join our hearts together to worship him today in spirit and in truth. Would you bow with me for a prayer? Oh, dear Heavenly Father, we know we need you so much, and we ask you to bless this service, that you would use it, oh God, for your honor and glory, that you would convince us more than ever that you are who you say you are and will do what you say you will do, and help us, oh Lord, in our weakness and our need of you to just reach out our hearts uh, and rejoice that you are God. Bless this service, O oh God, uh, that you would see, receive all the honor and glory and that you would bless each one that comes under the sound of this message and all the multiplied millions of others today that are proclaiming the sweet truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Bring us closer together Protect us and help us, O oh Lord, remember those that are suffering through this pandemic, those also that are on the front battle lines uh, that are fighting it and aiding others. We ask you to especially bless them with a measure of your amazing grace. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you turn with me uh, today to the Old Testament prophecy of Daniel, the book of Daniel. I wanted to use some verses there that really... Uh, I think are pertinent to the time we're going in. The Bible is full of amazing parts of how God blesses his people. And so right here in the book of Daniel, I think this is a great place to find many, many episodes of what the difference is of knowing God and knowing about God. Now, I bet everybody here or everybody that's listening, as you embrace this pandemic and all that we've gone through, uh, certainly you've become more aware of God in your life than you've ever have been in your life. Uh, I think that's lots because we've taken away some of the things we thought we had to do and we've, we've been able to be more settled and we've been able to really practice what God says in his word, be still and know that I am God. And so maybe we just need this stilling and I'm sure we do or we wouldn't have gone through it or are going through it like we are. But, but I want us to see this just as a springboard to get started in this, in this lesson today that, man, man, if, if knowing God is, makes all the difference in the world. I mean, even in the, the, the secular world, you know, we know uh, from business and from our uh, temporary life or temporal life that, that we, it's often not what you know, but who you know that makes a lot of difference. How would you like to go through this pandemic or these problems or any problems? without God, without knowing God. Now, now, what I mean by that, there's a lot of difference in knowing about God and knowing God. You, you can know a lot about God, 
and not know God. Hey, you can preach the gospel and not know God. You can teach theology, not, not know God. You can know a lot about him. You can, you can be a good pastor and not, not really know God. You can say all the right things and do all the right formulas to, to make people feel better and, in our lives. But, but you know what? Knowing God. You know, there's lots of difference in knowing uh, the Psalm, 23rd Psalm, and, and knowing the shepherd. That, that's the difference that, that we come to, to, to really know God and, and to rejoice in the fact that we know God. And these kind of times strengthen us so much that we're so thankful that, that we know Him. And so really when you think about knowing God, uh, there's always a test to that. Because really knowing God is, is eternal life. That, that's what eternal life is. Jesus says that in John 17. Uh, that priestly prayer that Jesus prayed, he said, starts off something like, Father, I thank thee that thou hast given me power over heaven and earth, and that he has, and we ought to be thankful for that. We need to know him as our Savior, the mighty God that he is, uh, that we can be more than conquerors through anything that comes our way. But he said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast given me power over heaven and earth. And I, Jesus said, he has given eternal life to as many as God has given him. That's how you get saved. Uh, you're chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, and God gives you to Jesus, and Jesus dies for you on the cross. He pays your sin debt completely in full. And so then he goes on to say, the reason he did that, the reason Jesus gave them eternal life, is because that they might know thee, he says, the one true and living God. So to know God, and so right here in Daniel, we see this book that's unfolding of, of, of sure a lot of trouble that's happened to some people that's taken into captivity that are very devout Christians. Uh, things didn't come out like they thought it might. I mean, you might say they were, they were in a pandemic. But as we're going to see, and I pray that God would show us, I would rather be with Jesus in a pandemic than not to have him and have a palace. And I believe you would agree with me. That is so true. So, so we have Jesus, and that is to know God, because that's the only way we know God is through Jesus. And so to know God, God has to reveal himself to us. And so to understand that, we need to just be so thankful that God loves us like he does and that he's revealed himself to us. So be it, we've got some issues to go through. Man, what a blessing if it causes us to grow and, and be closer to God. And I pray that we would know him and bless his holy name. But in this book of Daniel, there's some testing here in our knowing God. There's some trouble. There's some, there's some uh, very, very serious issues of life to deal with. And that's why knowing God makes all the difference in the world. Because if you know God, uh, just briefly, there, I mean, there, there's, a, there's a consequence to knowing God. You, you can't hide what God has done to you in your heart. Because, because if you know God, you're going to have an energy for God. And it's going to really bother you when God is belittled. Or when he is ignored, you're going to have a great energy for him. You're going to want to do him and serve him and, and be uh, all that God has given you to do for him. And, and you're going to be convicted in your heart when you fail him. And, and when we sin, we're going, to, we're going to feel bad. We're going to feel guilt. And, and so, but we have energy by his grace to, to confess and to feel his flow of his blessings in our life. And, and so then, then too, don't, we're going to have big thoughts of God. If we really know God... We're going to see God as being above everything that we have to deal with. We're going to see him as sovereign. 
How big is your God? We need to think about that. We need to understand that God is greater than any problem we have. He's greater than any sin. His grace is. That's why we, when we confess our sins, we can understand that Jesus has forgiven them, every one. And we need to rejoice in that. And so then, then too, we need to have a, um, a boldness. That, that's what knowing God will do for you. I appreciate so much boldness in the world today through this pandemic. There's more crosses displayed. I believe there's more people now that have a passion for the Lord Jesus that have been more bold in their faith. That's, how, that's what happens when you know God. And then, and then lastly, I think when you know God, and this is blessings of all this book from Genesis Revelation, Revelation is that, that we have a contentment. So that, so that whatever happens, we, we have learned to be content with whatsoever state we have. You know where that comes from? It comes from knowing God. And, and that, that makes a lot of difference, just knowing about God. Knowing God. Knowing that He's able, that He loves you, that He's proven that on the cross. And so we can serve Him with a neverthelessness that we can do without if we have to. We can, we can have and we won't be squabbling about what we didn't get or why we don't have our rights or... Why didn't we get this or that and the other? And why have we had to deal with this? No, because we have a contentment because we know God is working it all out. And he's, he's a great and gracious Heavenly Father. And so that's knowing God. So let's look now at least one episode, and we may scatter around on a couple others here in the book of Daniel. And so, so my lesson title or this message title is simply God did it. God did it. Because I want you to understand with me, when you know God, that if anything gets done, and anything gets done right, God is going to have to do it. And God did it. Uh, And so he did it here, and he'll do it again. And that's what the amazing thing about God is. He's almost spoiled us because he does so much for us, and he blesses us so much. And so let's feed off of that and ask him to give us his grace now to serve him more fervently. Well, here in the book of Daniel, I'm going to start reading at verse 13, chapter 3, if I didn't say that before, the book of Daniel. And uh, before that, we have a situation where this guy, this king, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, decides he's going to put up this great image, and it's going to be like him. He's going to set it out in a field somewhere, and he's going to say, you know, I want everybody to look at that and worship me. And, you know, the world is good at putting things in front of you, and they want you to worship it. Now, you know, Satan is deceiving, so you be careful what you got in your heart that you really, really like. If, if, it, if it competes with God, then, then it is really an idol, and you better be careful. Because it, but, you know, we eat up with pride, all of us, by nature. And so Nebuchadnezzar had that. Now, listen to what he He puts up this, in, and he was really upset when, when there were some men that did not worship those idols like he wanted them to. And that's what the world will do. The world was upset. You know, the world is upset today, not so much of the pandemic, because of Christians. Christians will call, will turn the world upside down. A lot more on the pandemic will. And the problem we've had, and I think maybe that's why we're facing this, we haven't been so much involved in that. We've kind of settled into the worldliness of the world, and we've been comfortable. The thing about God, though, he is good at comforting the afflicted, but he's also very, very good and apt at afflicting the comfortable. Maybe we've gotten too comfortable with the world and trying to mesh that in our religion. And we all not. We all not. But, but here it is. 
So, so these men, though, have come to this place. They didn't come there on their own, but they come in captivity, and they ended up taking a stand in the first two chapters that they were not going to do what the king said. And they, did, they weren't trying to be, uh, uh, again, everybody, everybody. They, they were just going to be devoted to God. And that's what God called us to because they knew God. See, they knew God. And so they knew what, what meant something to God. I, I trust that we do. do we really, are we really involved in our lives in knowing what God wants? Or maybe we've gotten too involved in, in kind of wanting what, what we want, you know? I, I think it'd be good for us all, and this is a good effort arena for us to do it, to think about every day, and how much of our day have been thinking about God, or I know, I know really I was convicted this morning, most of my day sometime, I'll just confess that, I think about me, I think about myself, and it ought not to be, and God will, will show us that, he says, I am God, and God, God, you know what, we need to live for him because he died for us. That's what he did. If we could really brace in our hands and heart what God has done for us, then, then we wouldn't have any problem rejoicing and, and really serving him no matter what situation we have to deal with. We'd quit having pity parties. We would quit uh, complaining and we'd be willing to say, God, where, how can I deal with this in my life? How can I bring you glory? Well, that's what these guys did. And look at verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, demanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's the three uh, Hebrews that were captive, that defied the king's order to worship him. And it made the man mad, the king. See, the Bible says that if you're going to be friends with the world, you're gonna go, you can't be friends with God. That's right, you're not. So, so, but they, they brought these men before the king and Nebuchadnezzar in verse 11 or 14 spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image what I have set up? He said, Now, now let me get this straight. Uh, is this true that you're not worshiping me, the world? <laughs> is it true? I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, in the world today, people say, Are you, you going to be an oddball if you're not doing everything the world's doing? I'm going to tell you, Christians are going to have to take a stand and, and let the redeemed of the world say so. And that's what these guys are doing. And I appreciate it. This is a good lesson for us, I think, because God did it. And when God does it, it's done right, okay? In verse 15, now if ye be ready that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, Good, if you do that, you hear the music, you fall down and worship. That's your cue, okay? Um, but if ye worship not, ye shall be cast in, in the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hand? <laughs> here, here he is, that's king. He said, I'm going to tell you what, if you don't do it, when the music plays, then you're going to be put in this fiery furnace. And so who is this God? And you know what? That, that's what the world is saying. Who is this God? Who is this God that, that allows this pandemic? Who is this God these, these feeble Christians are paying to, praying to? Who is this God? I mean, you know, you never, you never hear God mentioned uh, in, in the world today much, even, even in the news broadcast. 
Oh, you don't hear me. I mean, there's all kind of all kind of theories about ending this, but nothing's God. But you know, here here the deal is, I believe that that this is going to end only when God says it does, and not until. And it doesn't matter what science does. It doesn't matter what people do. It doesn't matter what government does. What matters is that God did it. And we're going to see that in, in our life to be. We are. May not in our lifetime, but we're going to see it that God did it. And he's faithful. And he does it. And then he says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. You hear what he's saying? They say, look here, king, we, we don't have to pray about this. We, we don't have to think about it or sleep on it. We know what we're going to do. You see where they're bowing up here? They're saying, look, at, look here, now you think I'm going to worship you and not my God? Then you don't know the God I know, okay? You don't know him because I don't have to think about this. I don't have to go pray about it. And I think sometimes we spend too much time wanting to think about something and mulling over and talk about it. When, when it comes to God and knowing him and what's right, then we need to go ahead and do it. And we need to do it with the uh, aspiration, that no matter what people think or say, that God is with us. So he says, they say, we, we, not, we don't have to worry about this. We don't have to think about this. In verse 17, if it be so, our God whom we serve, that's the God they know. And if you know God, you'll serve God. If you're not serving God, then you don't really know God. And, and he is able, this God that we know is able to deliver us from this burning, fiery furnace. And this same God is able to deliver us from the uh, coronavirus pandemic. The same God. God doesn't change. And he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. In other words, they saying, our God is able. He will do it. He can do it. He is able to do it. Because he's our God. And we know him, O king. He's able to do it. But if not, there it is. Now, now here, here's the resolution. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But it, not, be it known unto you, O king, that we will not serve thy God. Nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. So what, what they're saying is, our God can do it. That's the God they knew. But he says, they say, if you don't, that's okay. We're still not going to serve you. And you know what? That's the attitude. That's the attitude we ought to have. You know, I was reading the other day somewhere. I don't know if I can get all this right, but it's kind of like a little prayer. It's kind of like a little poem. It says, it says Lord, it belongs not to me or to my care, whether I die or live, but to learn, love and serve thee uh, is my concern, and only your grace must give me to do that. And if my life be long, so I'll be glad, because I can serve thee more time to obey. But if it's short, that is my life, then why should I be sad to soar to heights of endless day? Now, when you think about God and you think about who he is and his sovereignty, and that's what these people are dealing with, 
right up front, right in the midst of facing the crisis they're going through. They're making up their mind. They're purposing in their heart. They're not going to serve anybody but God. I want you to take that stand today for Jesus as never before. And you say, God, I'm going to serve. And you know what? God will show us how we're to serve him and bless his holy name. And so may God bless us to do that and see that and rejoice in that. So there said, I'm not. I'm not. If you don't, if he doesn't, that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm content. You see, you see what happens when you know God? I mean, you, know, you, know, you don't have to quibble with it. You have bones, you, but you're content. Well, whatever comes, because you know God. And thank God that, that you know him because he first knew you. <laughs> you love him because he first loved you. Okay, now I want to say three things. There's three key words that, that I want you to remember with me today from this lesson. Uh, the, one, the one is reflection. Reflection. Number two is is uh, resolution, and, and number three is redemption. And, and I think we see all these magnified right here: reflection, resolution, and redemption. Actually, I'm not sure if those three do, doesn't really form the basis of uh, of the framework for our life in Christ upon this earth. Uh, how we're to live and move in, in Him, and that's how we are, because the Bible says in Him we live and move and have our being. And, and so as we see that, we experience in His grace in our lives, and what a blessing that is. So let's think about that word, reflection. I think we need to reflect more on what God has done for us in our life. We need to visit often those markers I'll call them Ebenezer in 1 Samuel 7, 12. There we find Samuel when uh, God blessed them to fight the Philistines and to victory, have victory over them. Uh, Samuel said, let's put up a stone. They called it an Ebenezer stone. And it says there in that verse, 1 Samuel 7, 12, he says, hitherto too hath the Lord helped us. That's, that's what it is. It's reflecting that. He says right here, let's remember what God has done for us. And so we can go on from here and we can look back and say, you know what? God has really helped us through that. I want you to think about this today. How many times has God delivered you? I mean, when, and it's God that did it. It's God that did it. And we need to rejoice in that. How, how he's blessed us and brought us out of the perils of life. You know, in my life, as I study this, you can't preach what you can't practice. You hear me? You can't. Because I was thinking about, oh, gracious, the sins of my life that God has delivered me from. And you know what? It was God that done that. When you think about an addiction, maybe God has freed you from, and you say, well, that was the AA, or my, my good buddy did that. No, it was God. They might, God might have used all that, but, but God did it. It's God that does it. That, that wife, when, when I look at my wife and I see what a blessing God has given me with Penny, I don't, I don't look at that and say, Randy, you were pretty smart to pull up over there in Cherry Street in Denmark, Georgia. I, I don't know. God did it. I didn't have sense enough to do it. God did that. See, when God does something, he does it right. And so you that are in the church here, you know what? God did that. It's not some kind of happen chance deal. And so we need to see, we need to reflect on that. This is what God has done for me. Now I'm going to tell you, I, 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 I don't want to personalize this any more than I have to, but sometimes you just can't help it. If you know God, that's a personal arrangement. 
and it, and it, it, it affects us, everything that happens in our life. See, there's nothing in this world that is, that, you know, I hear people say, well, well, this is temporal or secular and this is spiritual. No, everything is spiritual. Everything is spiritual. And, and so we need to see that and bless God in it. But last Sunday evening, uh, you know, that was a rainy day and I was sitting down more than I usually do and I was sitting there in my uh, Citra LaRue lounge chair and uh, I died, dozed off mid-afternoon, I bet, something like that. And uh, I remember the news must have been on and I heard a guy come on the news and it was a familiar voice and it was, uh, it was Governor uh, Andrew Cuomo from, from New York, the governor there and I know he's a great governor and but I'm going to tell you what, what, it, what, what woke me up with this man. I heard this man say this. He said, and, and you know, New York has had more cases of this virus, but they have leveled off, you know, and now dropped. And, and I heard him say this. He said, God did not do this. That's what the man said. God did not do this. Faith did not do this. Prayer did not do this. He said, we did this. The hard-working people of New York did this. God, he said, did not do this. Now, I'm going to tell you, I woke completely up. I, I, I told my wife, I said, I can't believe that somebody would say that. I mean, I mean you, see what, you see what knowing God is about? I know that God can't like that. I know that it degraded God for somebody to say, God, and I'm not, I'm not beating on the man that much because I don't know the context. I just got a glimpse of a burb, of a little blob of what he said, okay? I didn't see the whole interview, but I heard that. I heard that, and it stirred my heart. And you know what? It's not that I, I don't like I prayed for the man last night. I really did. This was on my mind last night. You know, I don't want to do anything below because he, he's far greater, I know, intellectually and all than I am. But, but I mean, you know, I would like to set the man down and talk to him about God. And I would like to show him some scriptures. I mean, you know, because if it's done, God did it. And, and I want everybody to know that. I want you to know that. And, and if it's not done, then God just hasn't done it yet. But when God does it, it's going to be done. It's going to be done right. It's going to be done forever. And so, so he says that God didn't end. And so to reflect on that is what a blessing. You know, uh, we have a problem with that. Sometimes uh, we, we're good at, at giving, at, at giving uh, credit to ourselves when we ought to be giving it to God. I mean, really, you know, here, here, we're in for reflection. Everything you have, you need to see, either comes from the hand of God or has to dribble through his faithful, providential fingertips that he has to allow it in your life. You hear what I'm saying? God is a being that's above everything. He runs this universe. So everything you and I face has to come through God. God either has to cause it or God allows it. God did it, okay? And so, so when you think about it, we can rejoice in it. Does that mean that we're to be stoic and that we don't do anything, that we just sit out? Well, you know, that's what God did. What can I do? Do what you can do. You can, you can get up and use that energy of grace God's given you, and you go in the boldness and contentment with God. You know what the Apostle Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians 15, 10? He says... He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. He says, yet 
I labored more than they all. He worked. He says, yet not I, but the grace of God which dwelleth in me. And so what a blessing that is. You know what? That glorifies God. When you reflect on God, where was I thinking? I was thinking of Job. You know, Job had a lot of issues. He couldn't understand what all was going on. I know he couldn't. Neither could you and I, even now, in much lesser situations. But the thing that God wanted Job to understand and the thing that God is concerned about in our lives is his glory. That's the one thing that he's given us salvation for. That's the one thing that he blesses us to do. But of all Job went through, he lost everything. He lost his health, had swords all over his body. I mean, right on through it. You know where it ended up? It ended up, God wanted Job to say that all his friends, you know, was trying to figure it out. And you know what? We will never figure God out. And we're not, we're not to, uh, uh, to wonder necessarily what God is doing. Uh, we're to trust him and to love him and obey. That's what we're supposed to do. But God was wanting Job to understand that he did it, and that's what he says and looks in the first uh, verse of 2 in Job 42, right at the end of the deal. See, God always writes the last chapter. And he says, I know, Job said, that thou canst do everything. Do you know God that God can do everything? Now, now don't just say that if you don't mean it. You get on your knees and say, God, I want you to convince me of that. Because God will test us and to understand that, God, you can do everything. What a blessing that is to understand it. That no thought can be withholden from thee. That is the key verse in Job 42 and really the whole deal of Job. Now, you know, look at, uh, look at Isaiah. Here's some verses you can jot down and put on your refrigerator somewhere. It helps us understand. These are, these are the kind of God that we serve and that we love. And Isaiah where was I going? Chapter 40. And it says there in verse 5, he says, And the glory of the God shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. The voice said, Cry, and the voice, What shall I? All flesh is grass, and all the goodness, goodliness thereof is of the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass, the church withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. You know, it makes me think there's kind of a little of a rabbit trail here, but i got to go there. You know, Nebuchadnezzar, we were talking about a while ago. Uh, God shows him. This man gets to the point where he sees Babylon. And he says, I did it. Look, he says, and I think that's in the fourth chapter of the very book of Daniel we're studying. He says, look uh, at great Babylon that I have built. You be very careful when you think about your life as what you've done. Because God says, as soon as he said that, God put that man out in the field and made him think he was an animal. And when God got through with him, Nebuchadnezzar rejoiced and said, God, I know that you can do whatsoever you want to do. <laughs> he says, and all the inhabitants of the earth are like grasshoppers. That's what Nebuchadnezzar says in Daniel 4, I think it's verse 35. That's what grace does. That's what's understanding. Understanding that, and we need to reflect that in our lives. But he goes on to say, uh, in Isaiah, in verse 12 of chapter 40, who hath measured the waters in the hall of his hand and made it out heaven with a span and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure and weighted the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance? Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord or being his counselor has taught him? 
with whom took he counsel and who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment and taught him knowledge and showed to him the way of understanding. Behold, the nations are as a drop in the bucket and are counted as the small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing. That's the God we serve. That nation includes China and the United States of America and Europe and all the other countries. That's understanding. God says they're just a drop in the bucket. That's the kind of God we serve. That's the kind of God we need to reflect on and bless his holy name. Look at Isaiah 45, 7. Probably a verse you haven't noticed much, but we need it now more than ever. He says there God's talking about himself. We're talking about knowing God and what a difference that makes. Isaiah 45, 7 says, I form the light. God is saying that about himself. He says, and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Let's see, God creates evil. It's not sin, but God does create calamities. God creates all this, and God creates viruses. God has a purpose in them. And so we need to rejoice and understand that God is above it all. He has a purpose in it. And we just need to humbly bow before him and say, and then we need to reflect, oh God, what a blessing you've given to me. I bet you uh, King Nebuchadnezzar had that marker forever when God got through of him and blessed him to understand how big he was and how much he needed God. Don't you ever forget that. You know, I want to, I want to challenge you right now. Use the rest of this day. That's what the Lord's day ought to be for anyway. The Lord's day ought to be just like a canvas that an artist takes and just, you know, you paint all week and then you just back up and maybe you just look at what you've done. Or rather, let's look at what God has done. You know, I was thinking about if I could sing, I would sing this song to you today, but I can't sing, so don't be so concerned. And that is, count your many blessings. Name them one by one. And it will amaze you what the Lord has done. I want you to take the rest of this Sunday that God has given you. He may not give you another, but I want you to understand you take this day and you reflect and you rejoice. Maybe the family God has given you. Maybe you're single and your friends, whatever family you've had or haven't had. You reflect and you understand the great things that God has done in your life. You understand his providence has brought you to these places. The, the, the very opportunities that it's given you, whether that's a job opportunity, maybe some sickness has come on you, and that very sickness is why God has blessed you. I'd be willing to say some of the most horrific things in my life, the greatest losses I've ever faced, the greatest the sins I've ever committed have turned out to be the greatest blessings of my life because that's what God does with them. That's understanding that when you reflect on God and how he's blessed us, this is the day the Lord has made. It ought to be the Lord's day. That's how we need to spend Sundays. Maybe that's why God has shut the churches down for a while. I don't know. Maybe, but I'm going to guarantee you this. If you know God, God has not made the Lord's day to go to ball games. God has not made the Lord's day to play pity patter and such. God's made the Lord's day to reflect and worship and think about his great and amazing love and to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love those that God has placed in our lives in that way, and just simply bow down and acknowledge him as our Lord and Savior. So that's reflection, just a little bit of it. I pray, though, that Lord will help us today to reflect much on what God has done for us. You know, you won't drive far down the road without looking in your rearview mirror, will you? Now, you don't dwell on it, but you, you know what? When you've got to drive without a rearview mirror... I've tried that before. Old car we used to have around the house, the rearview mirror fell off, and it was aggravating. I didn't like to get in it. You know what? What, what is it that we look, 
glance and we see what God has done and blessed us to see. Secondly, the resolution. Resolution. Understand that that means that we make up our minds, like these three Hebrews, that we're going to serve God. And it might mean that we're willing to suffer. And don't you ever forget, now listen to me, and we see that in the evidence, that God is able, and God most likely will bless us with the end results of our prayers and desires for Him much, much greater than we can ever thought or imagine. And, and that's when we're obedient to Him and when we resolve to Him and to do. Because you know what? God is a God that works. Works. And, and so what we need to say to be resolved, you see, God is at work here. God is at work right now in this pandemic. You hear me? God is not there asleep. God, hey, God is not up there just, you know, God does not create this blessed universe and just go to sleep and say, well, you know, just see what's going to happen. God is not surprised. You know, God is working in every day. And he's working through the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they all work together. Uh, John chapter 14. That's where I was going to look just for a second. Look what it says. Here's Jesus. That's the greatest sample we can ever have to have a resolution. How we need to see it for God. Let alone these three Hebrews and many, many other places. And Jesus Christ says, and Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Um, what a blessing that is to understand that. And he says, the Father, um, he says, believeth not that I, in verse 10, in the Father, and the Father in me, the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Hear that? Father doeth the works. Here's the Trinity. Believe me that I am the, in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works sake. What I want you to understand with me when you talk about resolution, it's just it's about doing your 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 with God. God is doing the work. It's God that did it, okay? The, these three Hebrews, you know, they were basing their lives on God. Don't ever, ever say, well, you know, I'm gonna do better. God doesn't want your do-betters. God wants your sin, okay? God wants you to be resolved to live a holy life for Him. And you can do it because God gives you the grace to do it. It's not that you're going to go through some course that's going to teach you that or, or you're going to make up your mind and you're going to you know, quit eating cornbread or whatever you're going to do. You're going to just, you, no, you're going to just give it to God. Surrender to Him because that's what the works do. And so Jesus is the truth, okay? And the truth will make you free. That's what should be in our resolve. See, these Hebrews were not worried about, concerned about. They said careful, that's what it means, about some fiery furnace. What they knew was God was greater than that. You see, Jesus is, is the truth. So we can say then that truth is a person. You know, the, the, the disciple, here's some episodes from the New Testament. Uh, I think we can apply to the world today. Here's, here's the situation. Spirits, sometimes circumstances can look pretty bad. Maybe like we're going through now. But, but here's, here's the deal. There, there's some disciples in a, in, a, in a boat in the sea, and a storm comes up. And, and you know, you ask them the truth, <clears throat> excuse me, they would say, gosh, we're going to all die. But what they didn't know, that this truth was sleeping in the boat. His name was Jesus. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Uh, there was a widow um, and Luke 7, somewhere like that, I believe, there's a widow of Nain whose, whose son died. And they were at a funeral, and, and 
You ask her the truth, she said, well, you know, my son's dead. But she didn't know that Jesus was there. Jesus was the truth. And when Jesus touched him, he raised up. And then there was a situation, there was a multiplied thousands of people, 5,000 plus. They were all hungry, they didn't have but two fishes and five loaves of bread. You know what, Jesus, they, they, you're asking the disciples what's going to happen. They said, we can't feed these guys. We're not going to be able to make it. We ain't going to have a job. We ain't going to pay my payment. But you know what Jesus said? They, they didn't know the truth. The truth said, sit down. The truth took what they had and blessed it. And the Bible said they were all fed. And they took up 12 baskets full. You see, that's the truth. That's what makes the difference. So it matters that you work with God. You be resolved to work with Him. And you see that. And what a blessing. What a blessing that is. Um, I, I think it's, it's a matter so many times that we miss the blessing of God because we're not resolved. We need to be resolved. We need to make our resolutions revolutions. See, these guys, these Hebrews were radically God-centered. I think the greatest challenge we have as Christians is to stay God-centered. I think that's one of the great blessings of this pandemic sheltering in practice. Why? Because it's made us more God-centered. I mean, God-centered is more important than church-centered. God-centered is where it comes to, what comes from that is being family-centered and understanding and appreciating and reflecting on that. Now, lastly, uh, redemption. Redemption. Go back with me to... Um, Daniel chapter 3, would you please? Uh, I, I think about God's, knowing God, and, and the whole purpose, if we do, is, is redemption. That's what Jesus came to do, to die for our sins. So when you feel like you've, you're a sinner, you thank God for that, okay? You go to God and you confess your sins to God. And you say, God, I trust you. I'm not going to trust in myself. I'm going to trust in you. I give them all to you. And God will use you. And you might have a furnace to go through, but God's going to be there with you. But see, the whole deal with this is redemption. Because these guys, when they bowed their back and said, you know what, I'm going to serve God. doesn't matter what he does. I'm going to serve him anyway. I'm going to bless him. I'm going to worship him. I'm not going to worship anything else, any other king or any other feeling. I'm going to worship God because I know him. And I'm going to bless him in that way. See what God is doing. See, God is going to bless you. I said that a while ago, more than we can ever think. I don't know what's going to come out of this pandemic. But I can tell you it's going to be greater than we can ever imagine. It might not be like we think. It might not be when we think. But it's going to be greater. So what happens? Look at verse uh, uh, 25. Yeah, 25, Daniel 3. See, see, they were thrown in the furnace, these three guys. And the furnace was so hot that it killed the people that were throwing him in the furnace. So, so the king now is really interested in what's going to happen. So in verse 25, he says, He answered and said, Lo, here's, here's the king, I see four men loose. There are three of them thrown in, now there's four, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. That's redemption. All, everything, you know what this pandemic is for? It's about redemption. It's about God's Word, the Gospel, getting to more people than it ever had before. It's about God at work. That's exactly what's happening. 
And we need to see that in redemption. That's what Christ said. You know how we know it's God is at work? You know how to know? You know how God is at work? And I've already said God's always at work. But, but sometimes we miss it. We need to be more sensitive to what God is doing. And so by reflecting, it makes us more sensitive to what God is doing in our everyday life. There's no way we need to separate God from church or from our work. We need to see God in it all, and we need to be sensitive. God, what are you doing? What are you saying? How are you dealing with that, God? What is the circumstances? What, what do you want me to do, God? How should I respond to this? How can I glorify you, oh God, in whatever I'm dealing with, whether it's a loss or heartbreak, you know? I, I tell you, sometimes we can have such pity party because we lost something or we heard or we haven't got this or that and the other. What kind of message is that sending to God? You know, it's almost like we're still in this world and this world is all there is, but that's not the way it is. If we're true believers, we're pilgrims and strangers passing through here. You know what the Apostle Paul said? Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3, he says, all these things he had. See, God is not so interested in our academics or our diplomas, our trophies and what we can accumulate. Paul had a lots of that. But you know what? When Jesus Christ, we understood he got to know Jesus and what God had done for him. He said this. He said, I count them as dung. It would be like manure to Paul. All that. But how many of us think about, even dream about manure? Probably a lot of us. And we ought not. We ought not when given what God has given us, the precious treasure of his redemptive glory in Christ. You know, how God is working redemption. You know, Romans 3 uh, is very clear, 10 and 11. You know that there's none good, no, not one. He's clear that he says that, there's, that we've all sinned, that none seek after God. None. God has to do that. God has to give us that desire. You understand that? He, he says in John 6, 44, says, No man can come to the Father or to me unless my Father draw him. I mean, see that with me, that everything we have, the desire we have comes from God. Yeah, you know, what a, what a blessing to see this in our life. So when, we, when you see a person, I think we've seen this, God at work in this pandemic. When you hear about somebody interested in God, when you hear about somebody wanting to know more about Jesus, when you hear a man or a woman saying, you know what, i got to get my life right with God. I'm, I'm, you know, when you hear people talking like that, God is at work because they can't do that on their own initiative. You hear me? They can't do that on their own because we're dead in sins. We all are before God initiates his spirit in us. I want you to understand that. God did it. If you're saved, God did it. It's not your preacher. It's not your baptism. It's not your catechism. It's not your mission. It's God. God did it. And God needs to get all the glory. And what we need to be doing is worshiping and thanking him and understand that God did it. He says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, I was reading it this morning. I know it's there. I know that God did it. And it says, he uh, took our place on the cross. Is what he's talking about. He's talking about redemption. He that knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's what God did. That's what God did and we need to rejoice in that. That is redemption and what a blessing. And so, so this king, you see, they thought, I bet, these uh, 
Obviously they did. It was implied that, you know what? God can stay this king's heart. They believed that God could make the fire go out in the furnace. They believed that God could deliver them. But you know what God did? He did even greater. He changed the king's heart. That's redemption. I don't read all the verses, don't have time, but from 26 to the last of that chapter 3, you'll find this Nebuchadnezzar, this king, he decided that he was going to worship their God. He was going to make a decree. He's going to reverse everything else he'd done. He said, you know what? This is the God. See what's happening? That's redemption. This is God at work. This may be the greatest awakening in the church age that this world in our lifetime has ever seen right now, what we're going through. We don't even realize it. Let's don't miss it. Let's stay close to God. Let's Let's reflect on what God has done for us. You know, let's, let's be resolved to serve him. And let's be understanding that it all has to be redemption. That's what it's about. That's what God is bringing. He's working it out for good in our way. And you know what? God, you know, we notice he says, that he, before we go, he says, this king saw him there walking. <laughs> he says, I see four walking. You know what that means? Strength. You know what? God is going to give you strength and me strength to walk through our afflictions. That's that's what it means. If you can walk. God says, as our days are, so shall your strength be. So don't give up on God. You understand it. But I'm going to tell you this. God does allow U-turns. But God does not allow detours. You hear me? God doesn't allow detours. God has a path set out. And we're to follow him. We're to be resolved in it. See, these, these, these Hebrews couldn't say, well, you know, let's, what about if we did this or that? No, no. They said, this is what I'm going to do. This is what God has called me to do. God says, straight is the gate and narrow is the way, and the few there be to find it. You rejoice in that straightness and that narrowness as you walk humbly with your God. You know, John the Baptist was in prison about to be beheaded. And you know what? He wasn't sure about Jesus for a moment. No, don't beat up on yourself too much. I think we all fall off of that sometime. We have our doubts. I know in my weakness sometime I do. I bet you do too. But John the Baptist said from prison, he said, he sent a message. He said, tell Jesus, said, if you be the Christ, are you the Christ or should we send for another? And you know, I've often thought about that as saying, well, what did John say there? But I'm, I'm thinking now he's saying that because he believed God's promises are going to be sure. Even if that wasn't going to be, though it had to be, he says he's going to be another one. I know he is. So what God is going to do is going to bless us. He's going to deliver us. And we can rejoice in that. But I want you to leave this in your heart. Whatever happens in your life, you need to know that God did it. Jesus is coming back one day. I don't know when that's going to be, but he's coming back. And we're going to stand with him on the portals of glory. And we're going to say God did it. And we can rejoice in that. And when all of life is ended, let's don't wait to the end of our life. In conclusion, let's don't wait to the end of our life and say, well, you know, this is what God did to me, for me. Let's do it now. Let's reflect. I'll tell you, we'll, that's the gravy of our life, to grow in God's grace and reflect on what God has done. I think I'm going to sit on my front porch this afternoon and just do that. Thank God and reflect on the great blessings of how he's delivered this poor, unworthy sinner and not left me the way that I was. How the old man, he kills that old man, but God did it. It wasn't Randy. It won't be you either. And then, and to read, to be, it's going to make me more resolved. I want you to be more resolved than ever to serve him. Whether we come back in this church or where we never come back in it, we can be reserved to serve God right where we are. And God will use us. And where we find God working and we find him working, 
will join him and be ambassadors with him in his kingdom. And that, that we'll see redemption. We'll see Jesus. We will. We'll see him again. We'll see his scars. We'll rejoice in what he's done for us. May the Lord bless you and keep you real close to him until we can meet again is my prayer. May the Lord bless you.